Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 114 of Radiance, my original Fallout fan fiction. And as always, I do hope you can like, share, and subscribe to this wherever you can. And if you can leave feedback for me at places like fanfiction.net, archiveofyourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com, it's always well appreciated and looked forward to. I love to see what you guys are thinking. And if you do pop over to ghostnobody.com, why not check out Storm Rider? You know, if big surly dragon-ass girls, orcs and elves, and little human wizards across a galaxy filled with magic and intrigue, and also zombies, is your thing, check it out. I believe you'll like it. And also while you're there, might pop over to the Ghostly Link section and check out Mortis, my original novel, for sale on either Amazon.com or on Smashwords. Pick yourself up a copy and help support me. Keep me doing what I love. Bringing unlikely alien romance stories to you, good people. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, first but the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or anything to do with it. This is just fan fiction. All that joy goes to Bethesda. I just keep the crazy tales happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 114. On the Trail. With the ceasefire now in full effect and the conclusion of the peace talks between the avian people who called themselves the Valkyries and the Brotherhood of Steel, not to mention the free people of the Wastes, there were celebrations aplenty in the capital city of the avians. To cement their newfound alliance, both sides had sent a permanent envoy slash ambassador to represent their party's interests to the other's base of operations. As the trusted neutral party between the two, Raymond facilitated this exchange. And more than that, he even got a technology exchange underway, with the groups of Brotherhood Knights now being escorted into the grounds, but base territory of the Valkyries. And true to their word, both parties were sharing the technology and knowledge gained equally. Oliver was the envoy that Valkyries had signed to the Brotherhood, due to his experience dealing with them while the Brotherhood a chief scribe called Darius Lancaster was brought up to the floating city. The Valkyries decided that it would be a good idea if they attached a small team of Feather Guard to Raymond's team, as the Brotherhood had already done, not only in order to put a positive face out there for the people to see, but to represent their interests among the free peoples as well. So, a team of three Feather Guards, two males and a female, of three different genus arrived the day before Raymond and his people were due to ship out from the floating city, all to be placed under the command of Jewel, who, thanks to some creative negotiating from both Raymond and an impassioned plea from Night Hill, had now been reinstated to her previous role and her honour fully restored. So, what's the deal? Have you managed to talk to Seven and Wisp yet? Jask asked Raymond as he was carrying his bags down to the little airship that was sitting at the dock ready to drop them back off on terra firma. Seven, yes, though I couldn't really get hold of Wisp herself. Malachi informs me they're involved in a rather sensitive mission at the moment, Raymond said as he passed bags over to Leo who stood at the back of the airship, helping the team to load it up. Well, so? Jack asked, sounding almost eager to be heading on to another adventure. He wants us working on the new Enclave problem. He's concerned about the intel the Brotherhood incepted about this mass operation they're apparently launching. And he wants us on the ground investigating it. 
He also st- told us to make sure that we share everything we find openly with our new allies. He's absolutely stoked about this budding alliance we got going, Raymond said, sounding rather proud of himself. As are we. This is a tremendous accomplishment, Raymond, and a massive step forward for not only the region, but quite possibly the whole country. This could very well be the dawning of a new era here that we're standing upon the precipice of. If if we can prove without any shadow of a doubt that humans and non-humans can work together for the betterment of one another, then there's no reason that this idea can't be picked up by other brotherhood factions and sections countrywide. Soon you could have chapters of the free peoples partners with their new brotherhood allies all over the place. Baldin Wright said, handing her own kit bag over to Leah, in what late Raymond felt was a distinct show of trust. We agree. With peace finally once again reigning over our beautiful lands and skies, we can now finally turn our attentions to stepping outside of our lands, alongside our new allies, and showing the common people of this place that not only do we bear them no ill will, but we stand ready to aid them if we can. Letitia Firetail said in a high-pitched and very sing-song voice, as she too handed over a large kit bag for Leah to stow for them. Letitia was one of the new feather guard soldiers that had been signed to Raymond's team by the elders. She was of the Condor genus, and was a fair bit larger than her two other new comrades, who were of the Golden Eagle genus and the Raven genus. In fact, she actually stood taller than both Raymond and Leah, coming in at just about eight feet tall, and anyone could see her size wasn't just restricted to her height. She had muscles that could make any super mutant jealous. She also had a personality to go with her size, living up to the name Firetail. She was outspoken and somewhat loud, but not bad-natured. A massive metal-covered talons clattered on the deck plates, she climbed over the edge of the ship and dropped down to the decking to help Leah with the loading of the gear, with the large claw girl lifting and moving to hand some of Jack's Ronin, who were down in the hold, stowing everything. So, where has our glorious leader told us to start looking? Joe asked, appearing from inside the hold. Raymond had already noticed that she seemed to be spending rather a lot of time with the Ronin these days, more specifically with Jack. And just that simple thought made him smile. The big mutant guy really did deserve to have someone who could make him happy in his life. Though, if either of them had decided to actually take that step yet, it was still a bit of a mystery. He's placed that in our hands, told us to work closely as we could with our new friends here, and to use our talents wisely. He also told us to be on the lookout to either undo any potential sabotage or damage the Enclave may have already inflicted on the region as well as also to help anyone we find along our path. He did advise possibly trying to seek out these Minutemen we keep hearing about, as a given of their nature being embedded in all the local settlements as a kind of widespread militia, they might actually be either able to aid us, or at the very least maybe point us in the right direction, Raymond said. Sound strategy, and one I wholeheartedly approve of. I've been trying to get my superiors to sit down with the leaders of the Minutemen since we got here, but until now every attempt's fallen on deaf ears. Though with what's happened among the elders, I do now believe I know why. Though I do have some knowledge on them which I'd be quite happy to share with you if it helps. 
Baldin Wright said, dropping down to the deck with a heavy thud before helping Leah and Letitia with the bags. Excellent. That would be most useful, I'm sure. Well then, we have a baseline plan. Once we're back on terra firma, we'll sit down, go over what intel we have on the Minutemen, and see if we can, between us, come up with a plan to facilitate an approach that won't result in shooting, Raymond said. Sounds good, piled in right said, and with that, they got finished loading. Once the airship had dropped them off on the ground, and they'd unloaded everything, they waved a final goodbye to their pilot as the little ship ascended back up into the cloud. Raymond decided that the warehouse they'd used to host the meetings was as good a place as any to host a sit-down for the team, so they got themselves into the building and set up the plan. Okay, from what I understand, the Minutemen leadership can operate out of an old Civil War fort they simply refer to as the castle. It's a bit of a fair old walk from here, but not a hard one really as the ground is pretty flat and we can follow the roads along the coast. Though we may have to pass through some pretty dodgy regions, filled with feral ghouls, not-so-friendly mutants, and everyone's favourite cunt bags, the Raiders, Baldin Wright said, using her arm as headlamp as a projector to project an image of a regional map onto the table where they're all gathered around. Well, feral ghouls won't attack us for the most part. If we encounter any area infested with them, me and my team can simply run ahead of the main force and divert them away. Should make passing through a fair bit easier and quieter, Jack said. Same thing apply to the mutants? Letitia asked curiously, and both Raymond and Jack shook their heads. Nope, in fact they're more likely to attack us than anyone else. If we don't speak, they won't really do anything to us. If they see us at a distance, anyway. But if they hear us speaking, they'll attack us with the fury of the stupid and ignorant, Raymond said. They hate you because you speak better than them? Paladin Wright asked in surprise and Raymond nodded. They see us as defective, that we aren't true mutants, because we don't have to use our fingers to count to three. So we can use us, they just see us as green humans at this point really, Raymond explained. Our intelligence envy, miserable thing at that, she said in her own in and Raymond nodded in agreement. So yeah, don't count us on, on us to be a screen for those morons. It may work if we can get through an area without speaking, but otherwise we're just as boned as you are, Jack said. Well, at least the raiders are straightforward, Letitia said, flexing her large golden eyes on the map and table and tracing a feathered finger along the route that they were trying to take, as if trying to commit it to memory. Yeah, SOP with them gumbers is simply shoot on sight. Paladin Wright said, and all of them nodded in agreement. Yeah, pretty much. Put enough of them in the dirt and most of the weaker ones will run for the hills and leave you the fuck alone from that point on. Only the truly psychotic or next level stupid ones push on from that point. Though to be fair, most of them turn tail and run for it the moment they set eyes on that big old sexy hunk of claw right there. Raymond said, patting Leah's thigh and making her growl purr at him. They know they cannot handle this much claw, girl. She said, striking a pose, making Raymond and the others chuckle. I doubt this few can, Baladin Wright said with a chuckle. In our group, you'd be surprised, Raymond said with a grin. Honestly, in this group, I'm probably in for more than my fair share of surprises, I'll bet, she said, and Raymond nodded in agreement at that. 
Oh, you got that right. Okay then, people, let's pack up and get a move on. No point dawdling about here. We got peace talks, a broker, and enclave fucks to root out. So let's hop to it, shall we? Raymond said to a cheer from the others. Raymond just couldn't get over the odd sight his team cut as they walked along the ruined roads that ran the coastline of Boston. There were humans, humans in power armour, super mutants, a night stalker girl, a group of avian valkyries, a claw girl, and a little alien all strolling along together as if it was the most normal thing in the world. Though to be fair, not all of them were actually walking. Zixie was actually riding along on Leah's shoulder and the pair were having an in-depth conversation seemingly about boys while the Valkyries were taking it in turns to fly high above the main group to act as eyes within the sky, which helped them tremendously as it acted like an early warning system to ambushes that might be set up on the road ahead. A strategy that actually paid dividends rather early on, because as they were set to pass through a small coastal town along the road, the Raven Valkyrie, who was called Mateus Jetclaw, swooped down and stopped them dead. What's up, laddie? Jack asked as the avian male landed in the road ahead of the group with his wings outstretched. I believe raiders are hiding in that town. I saw movement in the upper floors of some of the buildings and from their positioning it leads me to believe they've set up a crossfire onto the road below them. The road that we would have walked down, he said in a low core. Around them or straight through? Raymond asked looking at the rest of the group. Straight through. Leah said without even a second of hesitation. Yep, through them, Paladin Wright said. Aye, laddie, through the bastards we go, Jack said, and by the way all his Ronin hoisted their weapons up onto their shoulders, they wholeheartedly agreed with their leader. Well then, right through it is. But let's do this smart, shall we? In my experience, underestimating your opponents never really goes well. So let's do this right, Raymond said, and that made Leah smile. That's my sexy green male, is why you are our alpha, she said. Raymond asked the Valkyries what they had seen about the layout of the town and they filled them in by drawing a rough outline in the dirt at the side of the road. As he studied it, a few ideas struck him and he glanced around at the composition of his group and very swiftly possibilities and ideas began to form in his mind as it played through a few scenarios before finally settling on a plan of action and a smile lit his face to accompany it. Alright, people, listen up. This is how we're going to do this. He began, and with that, he outlined what they had in mind to do. It took a little bit of time for the various groups to get themselves into their positions around the town, as they had to move carefully and quietly to avoid by being seen by the hidden raiders lying in wait among the various buildings. It was like rad spiders setting up a web to catch anything trying to venture through its home. But to catch a spider, first you had to lure it out into the open where it was most vulnerable. Before they had any kind of move made, Raymond had Zixie check to make sure those hiding among the buildings were indeed raiders, and not just some kind of innocent settlers trying to avoid any kind of roaming war band. And after reaching out with her mind, she indeed confirmed that they were raiders and part of a much larger group that operated from a location nearby at that. So with that green light in place, Raymond sent his people out to take out their take up their positions. This took a little bit of time, as trying to sneak power up and humans and super mutants, not to mention a claw about, 
was not really an easy task. But with patience and care, they effectively managed it, with Zixi acting as their early warning system to any detection. She was constantly scanning the minds of the occupants for any sign of alertness, also covering them with false images, so when one group hiding in what appeared to be an old shoe shop very nearly heard Jack's people, she sent them an image of a wild Brahmin wandering past to settle them down. That's when Raymond saw two flashes from both the belfry of the small church and a large water tower, which indicated that both wrists and runs were in position, having silently taken care of the snipers hiding up there. Honestly, the pair of them made him think of living, breathing ghosts at the best of times, but when they did shit like this, they were just downright scary. All right, Zixie, you're up. Operation Groovy Man is go. He said, flashing him a grin. Should have called it Groovy Girl. But anyways, let's see how they handle this, she said. And with that, she closed her eyes, holding out her small hands to her sides as she did. Raymond swore he felt a pulse of energy pass over him as she ramped up her abilities to eleven. But the effect, that was pretty much instantaneous. The screams began from all over the town as Zixie began to attack random targets flashing psychedelic images into their minds of random raiders. To one team, their leader turned into a snarling claw right before their eyes, which they promptly shot to death in a blind panic. Another group heard scratching on a door, only to find that when they opened it, a tidal wave of tarantulas fell out on them, crawling all over them, causing them to run screaming out into the street while tearing their clothes off and clawing at their skin in an attempt to get the spiders off. Another was surprised when another of their members morphed into an angry yogwai, which proceeded to chase them into the street as the person inhabiting the false body ran screaming with their team from an enemy they had no idea about. In short, in only a few short seconds, Zixi had caused absolute chaos in the small town. And now it was the turn of the others to do their bit. Raymond signalled to Riss and Run, so it instantly signalled down to the other teams who were laid in wait, and finally the trap was sprung. From one side, Leah came rushing out of an alleyway, barrelled straight into a confused and unsuspecting raiders, tearing them apart with their claws and scattering them. From another side, Jack and his Ronin charged out from a couple of different alleyways, holding their large metal swords high above their heads and bellowing war cry at them which echoed in the narrow streets, adding to the symphony of chaos already present. At either end of the two main streets, which made up pretty much the entirety of the town, two knights and two Valkyries stood waiting. As soon as those with enough wits left rounded either of the corners to flee from the carnage taking place in the heart of the town, well, they just ran smack into a wall of armour and feathers waiting for them, with their weapons at the ready. Well, I must say that went superbly. I don't even think those animals actually had time to fire a single shot at any of us, let alone do any kind of damage to us, Paladin Wright said, voicing not only her approval, but her awe at how well Raymond's plan had actually gone to pass. Yes, I must say, Raymond, you do not just seem to have a flair for tactical leadership, but also for planning. The Tisha said, checking her laser rifle's fusion cell before lowering it to a side carry. You put all of our strength to great use. And I must say, if it isn't too morbid, that it was thoroughly enjoyable. 
It was rather pleasant to go to on the offensive against those vile wastes of potential and skin, Zixie said, riding along on Raymond's broad shoulder now. Aye, that he did, wee lassie. And I must say, props to you for whatever the hell you put in their heads. Honestly, I don't think those drugged-up robbing fucks even know what we were hitting them with before it was too late. They couldn't even tell the real from the fake. Part of me kept wondering what it was they were seeing. And a part of me, another part of me, was just fucking glad I couldn't see it. Jack said, cleaning blood from his massive blade with the help of what looked like a shirt taken from one of the dead raiders. Yeah, I did wonder about that myself. When I came out of the two groups, in front of me screamed where all these death claws come from. Leah said, doing the same with Jack, as Jack with her equally liberated shirt, but on her long blood-soaked claws instead. Oh, in their minds there was a whole pack of you attacking them from all sides. They had no idea of you which was the real claw, because as far as they were concerned, you were all real. But thank you both for your compliments. They're very much appreciated, the little alien woman said with a beaming smile. I get the distinctive feeling I'm going to enjoy working with this group, Paladin Wright said, clapping another of her knights on the shoulder. Well, that makes two of us, Letitia said, echoing the sentiment with her own people. You said earlier that this group was part of a much larger one, Zex. Care to elaborate? Raymond said, and the little alien nodded. From what I got from a few of their minds before I scrambled them like runny eggs, they belong to a much larger organisation that call themselves the Red Eagles. They have lots of these little ambush teams like this set up all over the place in towns and places scavengers and settlers, not to mention caravans as well as travellers, are likely to pass through or try and loot through. Now, while I couldn't really pull the locations of these groups from as none of the others know where the others are, I did manage to pull a location of their main hideout from their leader, which I confirmed with a few others who had been there, Zixie said. What you thinking, laddie? Jack said, looking carefully at Raymond, who was scratching his chin thoughtfully. Well, I know Seven sent us after the Enclave, but he did also tell us to look out for opportunities to do some good in the area. And I get the feeling we have a real hearts and minds opportunity on our hands here. And can any of you think of a better way to impress the Minutemen than to remove what's got to be a major pain in their arse for them by busting those fuckers up? He said, Oh, I'm really beginning to like the way this mutant boy of yours thinks, Leah, Paladin Wright said with a chuckle as she hefted her plasma minigun and checked it over. Back off, tin-plated human. This one's mine. Besides, you have plenty of others to go around, Leah said, draping her arms over Raymond's shoulders while being careful not to possess. Paladin Wright let out a burst of a laugh. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to get along here just fine. She said with a grin. Honestly, I'd be happy to bust these feathers fucks up just for besearching the good name of our brothers and sisters of the Red Eagle clan, Letitia said to nods from her Valkyrie companions, including Jewel. All right, then, Operation Eagle Plucker it is, Raymond said, making all the Valkyries visibly wince at once. Honestly, I'm just glad you used P and L and not F in that sentence. Joe said, making some of the others chuckle. To walk to Red Eagle Base of Operations about a day away, and while it did concern Raymond that there was somewhat about the extra day being used by the Enclave to strengthen their roots here, there really wasn't too much of a choice in this one.
They really did need not only a way to impress the minute men enough to agree to sit down with them, with such an unusual group, none of which they really did have a reason to trust, but also to convince them that it would aid the region as a whole to remove such an obvious threat to its stability. As they walked, Zixi explained to them what she'd seen in their minds. The place was an old railroad and warehouse storage centre, which had specialised in shipping freight that came right off the nearby docks all over the country. It made sense for a group such as this, with intentions to occupy, not only did it have the room to store all their ill-gotten gains, but it was pretty defensible too. And it would also offer good access to the transit line cross-crossing the region, which made for flash deployment. It was, in fact, one of these very lines that the team were using to navigate directly to it, being careful as they went not to trip any traps or sentries that the group may have set up along the route to catch incoming scouts. But eventually, they reached their terminus, and they moved into position to scout it out. Damn, that's rather a few from down there, Jewel said, looking down from the little pumping station set into the side of the hill that overlooked the rail yard far below them. I counted at 200 plus the dogs they got roaming around, Paladin Wright said, lowering her binoculars. They've also got the place surprisingly buttoned up for a bunch of raiders, Leticia said curiously. The leadership of the group believe in protecting their assets, and there's nothing they will not sacrifice to hold on to either their power or their wealth, Zixie said suddenly as she came out of the trance that she seemed to have been in for the last hour. Oh great, Reader Zealots, that's all we need, Cho said, sounding kind of bitter about it. What else did you learn from them, Raymond said, turning back to the small alien woman. That not only is this their hub, their main HQ is where they produce most of the jet that gets sold in the area to all the other groups in the region, Zixie said with a smile that matched a little twinkle in her black eyes. Jet, as in the drug jet. Raymond said, and Zixie nodded, obviously seeing that he clicked onto what she was actually saying here. Yep, these guys are the biggest suppliers of the stuff in all of Boston, she said, and with a smile began to creep onto Raymond's face. Well now, isn't that something interesting, he said with a bit of glee in his voice. What are you thinking, Big Green? Spectre asked, and he glanced at her, and then around at the others. I think we've just been handed a one-two punch on a fucking silver platter. All we gotta do is get this right. Not only do we remove a giant pain in everyone's ass, but we fucking cripple a large chunk of the chems trade in the area, which in turn will weaken the other raider cruisers' withdrawals kicking along with the desperation. This will lead to a lot of infighting among them as they try to get out each other's jet stocks. He said, then he noticed the creeping grin beginning to spread around the others around him. Why, Raymond, are you suggesting we start a gang war? Paladin Wright asked, and he nodded. If we do this right, we should be able to get all the other raider groups not only start fighting amongst themselves to steal each other's supplies of jet, but if the remaining Red Eagles believe that this was done by one of the other groups, they'll go after them for vengeance should turn into a pretty giant clusterfuck pretty quick. And if there's one thing you can always count on them, that's an addict who'll do just about anything to get their next fucking fix, he said. 
So, how do we do it? There's a lot more of them than there is of us. And by the looks of the, some of the hardware they're walking around with, they got us pretty heavily outgunned to boat. Spectre asked. Outgunned, yes. Outsmarted, no chance. You forget that we know what they know. And what they don't know is that we even exist. Raymond said, glancing at Zixi, who nodded her head in understanding. I'll start looking for known weaknesses in their defences that we can exploit, she said, and Raymond nodded. Okay, good. Our first target's going to have to be that jet production lab. There's one thing I know about that shit. It's producing it, it's more dangerous than fucking crystal meth was. The lab will be pretty heavily guarded, but the shit inside it will be as volatile as a group of withdrawing treakers all locked in the same room that someone just tossed a single dose into, Raymond said. Blowing the lab sounds like a pretty nice distraction and should cause a lot of damage, Jewel said, nodding her head approvingly. Exactly. But as big of a boom as that should make, I want to make it bigger, Raymond said, and they all glanced at him curiously. What are you thinking, laddie? Jack asked. I'm thinking we take a leaf out of Seven's book on this one, and he has a real liking for locating, targeting, and blowing armories in places like this. We blow that too, and not only do we deny them a decent chunk of their heavier weapons and gear, but all our ordnance going up at the same time of the lab? Oh yeah, that's going to do some major damage, he said. So, in short, not only do we got to get in silently, we've got to both locate, sabotage, and what are probably going to be the most heavily guarded places in there, Joe said. And I do believe we've got just the people for an op like that. Raymond said, glancing at both Runs and Riss, who nodded at him. We's got this. Me's and beautiful wife will make some serious fireworks out of poison. Runs said with a grin. Think it'll be enough? Letitia asked and Raymond shook his head. While it will be pretty dramatic and showy for sure, we're going to need a bit of an extra edge to push this royally over the top and yank their pants down so we can spank them hard, Raymond said. Yeah, but enough about what you and your claw girl get up to in the bedroom. What about the raiders? Joe said, making a few of them snort some laughs as Leah growled at her. Their treasure hoard, Raymond said, and now they all look confused. Their loot hoard? What are you saying, we just rob them? Paladin Wright asked him in confusion and Raymond shook his head. No, I'm saying we fucking burn it to the ground. He said and that's when the realisation began to dawn across their faces. Because there's nothing they will not do to sacrifice or sacrifice to protect their power and wealth. Jewel said repeating Zixie's words and Raymond pointed to her and nodded. Give that girl a cracker. If we send, If we send that lot up in smoke... The chaos will overwhelm them with blind panic. First their drugs, then their weapons, and finally the most important thing, their money. Well, the first two will be a complete loss, the leaders will panic hard when they realise their wealth is about to go up in smoke too. They'll throw everyone and everything they've got to try and save it. And while they do that, we simply walk in and close the jaws of death around their fucking throats. Raymond said with finality to his voice. That's a fucking ballsy plan to say the least. But I gotta say, I like it. You're gonna use their fucking greed against them and weaponize it to make them sloppy and stupid. 
Paladin Wright said, scratching her chin as she looked at him thoughtfully. Ah, it's ambitious, laddie, and a pretty big if, to say the least. How are we supposed to get to those targets without being noticed? Jack asked. With some serious coordination. And yeah, I agree, hitting multiple targets this size increases the risk of discovery greatly. But we do have our secret little weapon up our sleeve. Raymond said, glancing back at Zixi, who appeared to have gone back into a trance again as she roamed the minds of those in the rail yard, looking for weaknesses to the infrastructure. Think she has enough power under her hood to be able to misdirect that many people all at once? Paladin Wright asked, and Raymond shook his head. Maybe not a crowd that big, but she doesn't need to hit them all at once now, does she? Just a select few at the right moments. Plus, she doesn't need to do something as potent as what she did back in the town. This time, subtlety will be the key. Something like a perceived noise causing a sentry to open a security door to investigate, only just get silently ambushed by an invisible intruder who dispatches them equally as silently, he said, giving an example. And he began to see nods breaking out around them as he, and they began to understand his logic. Yeah, that could work. If she can do that right, she can get the right people to look the right way at the right time, we'd be able to simply walk right past them as if we were invisible, Spectre said, and Raymond nodded. Exactly. They've already got the infrastructure. We just need to get down and get on site to use it. Sometimes you don't need a man-portable shoulder-launched nuke when a barrel of ether and a plasma grenade ripped to a tripwire will do the same job just as nicely, Raymond said. You're going to get them to blow up their own shit, Letitia said as the final realisation began to dawn on them. And Raymond grinned broadly. Now you're getting it. When that place goes up, not one of us is going to be inside it, he said. But what I'm still missing is how we're going to convince them that it was another raider gang that did it, Spectre said. Yeah, I was wondering about that too, Letitia said. You ever hear that old adage that history is written by the winners? Well, it just so happens it was also written by the survivors too. And memories can be tricky things, especially in the heat of battle and chaos like shit exploding and on fire all around you. Raymond said with a sly grin and another glance at Zixie. And that's when they started to click. You're also going to get Zixie to make them believe that they're under attack by another raider gang, aren't you? Lear exclaimed, catching his train of thought. Not all of them, no. Just the survivors, of which there will be very, very few. We pick out the most cowardly among them, the ones most likely to run when the shit really hits the fan, and we show them what we want them to see. That way we control the narrative, that we carry on with them back to the other groups, he explained. That's genius. They'll run around telling all their shit stains of brothers and sisters that the other raider families hit them and fucked up all their shit. And then all of them will be out for blood, Joe said. And Raymond nodded. Exactly. Then they'll go off hunting for the ones that hit them. And with a bit of luck, winding up starting out an all-out war between the gangs. Which will leave them more vulnerable for people like us and the Minutemen to simply mop up at our leisure. He said, You really do have a fucking talent for this tactical plan in Malarkey, Spectre said, grinning at him. 
Suddenly Zixi woke back up and smiled at them, while blinking her large black eyes a few times as she focused in. I do believe I have our ways in, she said. What do you got, Zix? Raymond asked. See the perimeter fence over by the far side of the compound near the back of the warehouse? She said, pointing. Yeah, what about it? Well, apparently there's two large warrens of mole rats that live in that area. And apparently they also have a bit of a habit of playing merry hell with the electric fencing and motion sensors that they try to set up around the perimeter of the place. Something tells me that it wouldn't take too much to stir those mole rats up and drive them into the fence. Should make the sensors go crazy and also the perimeter alarm. Get most of the guards out there looking the wrong way. Maybe something like an angry claw, for example. Zixi said, shooting a grin at Leah, who just nodded her large, horned head. I think I can piss off some mole rats, she said flatly. That should cover runs and risk breaking in through the other side, though we'll have to short that fence out. Leah, think you can lob some of those mole rats at that thing, just enough to get them stuck on it? Some of the fuses should pop if you get enough voltage going through them, Raymond said. Mole rat pitch and toss. Should sounds like it should be a national claw sport of some kind, Joe said, making Jack snort a laugh. I think I can handle that, Leah said, grinning. All right then, that covers team one. Let's get on to work on planning out the rest. I want this flawless, understand? Raymond said. And with that, the rest of them sat and began to discuss how to get the other two sab teams into place. So that was chapter 114, ladies and gentlemen. But will Raymond be able to pull off this ambitious plan? Or will the Red Eagles discover him and his team? And may it all go to rat shit? There's only going to be one way to answer those questions, and so many more. Going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all around next time.